This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of the PMP Industry Insider Podcast, where we look at what is changing in the industry and we take you to the front lines for those that are driving those changes in the industry. As always, my name is Donnie Schultz. I'm here hosting with my highly esteemed partner, Mr. Dan Gordon. Dan, would you like to say hello and introduce our topic and our special guest here for this podcast today? Absolutely. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, Today, we have a real treat for anybody who works in the pest control industry or is a student of the pest control industry. Today, we're talking to uh, John Myers, the CEO and president of Renekill North America, who I have had the distinct pleasure of working with as well as his extremely talented team on many acquisitions over the past several years. And while there's a lot of things that we can talk about, I think that most of our listeners want to hear about this blockbuster news that was announced in December about Renekill purchasing Terminix. And uh, I think that that would be at the top of the list. Uh, John, hey, welcome. Well, thanks for uh, having me on here. And uh, I I don't think I've ever been called a treat. Uh, So thank you for that. Uh, um, I took it as a compliment, by the way. And then on top of that, um, yeah, uh, thank you. And uh, also, um, thank you for the compliment about our team. Um, As you know, in the acquisition world, because you represent sellers, um, uh, being a really good buyer is hard to do. And then post-sale, doing the integration work uh, really well is hard to do. And uh, I think we, we do a pretty good job. We always want to get slightly better, but thank you for the compliment. You, you bet. So before we jump right in, uh, can you give us a brief bio on you and how you got to this point in your career and what this merger means to you personally in terms of your career and your accomplishments? Sure. Well, let's start with uh, how I even got here. Uh, I joined Renekill in 2008 uh, as the president and CEO of Renekill North America. Um, Vic Hamill, who was running Renekill North America at the time, and I think a lot of uh, your listeners probably know him from Ehrlich fame, uh, was ready to retire. Uh, So I was lucky enough to uh, take over a company he'd been running, and it was well run. Uh, And I also was lucky enough to have about four months of solid overlap with him uh, because he he really, you know, he knew the industry inside and out, and I was a, a newcomer. Um, in the capacity I'm in today, I lead um, Renekill's six strategic business units. You know, we're known for pest control, um, and it's by far the largest business unit. But I also manage a business called Ambius, which does air purification and then interior landscaping solutions. So those plants you see in offices and hotels and restaurants and, and the like. Also uh, run a company called Steritech brand standards, which does food safety assessments, uh, target distribution, which provides pest and turf products, a company called Vector Disease Control International, which does mosquito and tick control for municipalities, and then Solitude Lake Management, so that's uh, aquatic weed control. And these businesses operate in the U.S. and Canada. Um, I'm also really proud of the fact that I'm... um, involved in the industry. Uh, I serve on the PPMA um, executive committee and um, 
lucky enough to have won the Syngenta uh, Crown Leadership Award that Pest Control Technology presents a few years back, which um, I'm still in awe of the, the fact that I'm on that list with some really great people. Um, prior to this, I was at Cintas um, for almost a decade. Where hey, John, did, did you know that Donnie is uh, on that? Uh, he won that award last year. So, so <laughs> you are in true greatness. Uh, Donnie, I, I, no doubt you deserved it. I don't know how I snuck in the back door. Of that. Absolutely not. Uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I had to interrupt. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, the uh, at Cintas, I had a variety of roles, but I ended up um, at the end at senior vice president of sales. So I've got a really strong sales and marketing background, and you probably don't want to go all the way back here, but University of Vermont graduate, and then got my MBA at night at Mercer University way back when. So that's a little bit of my background. John, that is tell us, fantastic. Tell us what this, yeah, tell us what this means to you, uh, the, this whole thing personally. Uh, not the well, finances or anything. Yeah, um, the, the the cool part about this is when I first joined uh, Renekill North America, um, of course, I heard about Terminex. I mean, you know, if you were outside the industry, you knew about Terminex. Uh, from inside the industry, um, I quickly learned about Terminex and, uh, you know, the basic was, of course, we, I knew they were a national leader. And I was lucky enough to meet some of their leaders back in the day when I first joined a guy like Norm Goldenberg and Steve Good at some NBMA meetings. And they were very involved in making sure uh, that the industry was performing at the highest level. And um, they were really impressive. Uh, and I, uh, I remember thinking very highly of Terminex. So, um, you know, in a way, the thought of, getting together with Terminex started 13 years ago when I joined the company. Um, but it really started to come to fruition about three years ago. Um, and for us, that it, the, the tipping point for us is, I think we've developed into a pretty well-run company. Um, we've proven to ourselves that we could uh, make big acquisitions and do them, do them well. And, um, you know, candidly, Terminex was struggling a little bit with uh, how they were going to run the business, and they had some changes at the executive leadership level. So we felt like there was a real good opportunity three years ago, and we kind of just were in the background trying to figure out how this was all going to work. Um, me personally, um, it's a it's a pretty big deal. Um, I've been working a long time. Um, and this feels like, uh, I don't think it's my final chapter in the book, but it certainly feels like an important uh, late chapter in my career about um, merging two great companies in a really good industry. And how do you do that uh, well? So hopefully that helps, Dan. Yeah, I, you know. I guess my next question would be, and obviously it, it sounds we wouldn't be having this discussion if you, if you didn't believe this, but but you know ultimately, um, you know if if all goes well, and and by the way, John, I I couldn't agree with you more. I think the idea of the Renekill leadership team with Terminex is a fantastic idea. You, you know, you're coming about them struggling, um, 
you know, kind of the top of the ranks. I mean, if, if, if there ever was someone to pull it off, I think Renekill could pull it off. Right. Well, <laughs> I just think about other companies that would try to do it. And it's, it's like, oh, my gosh. But it, so, so I agree 100 percent on that. But but, you know, my question next is, you know, if it all goes well, when do you see this transaction closing? Yeah. Thank you, by the way, for the compliment. That's um, I think you're right, by the way. Um, I think the leadership team that we built um, and, and part of the benefit I have is I've been doing this job now for th 13 years um, and uh, the core group that I've been working with have been around for 13 years with me and I've worked for Andy Ransom who runs global for 13 years. So we have this continuity of, of, of strategy. Don't get me wrong. You know, our strategies obviously have had to tweak, uh, you know, we didn't see COVID coming. Um, we didn't see uh, high levels of inflation coming. We didn't see $120 a barrel oil coming. So we're always tweaking. But one of the things that gives us confidence is um, that we will be able to take our best ideas, their best ideas, and do it and um, and do it well. As it relates to uh, timing for the transaction, uh, transaction, we've always said that we thought it would close in the second half of 2022. Um, I'm planning for uh, a close in the third quarter, so July, August, uh, or September. Um, and, um, you know, now that we've received Hart Scott Rodino approval from the uh, FTC, uh, which was a big deal, got it last uh, Monday at uh, quote unquote midnight or 1201. Um, we only have three more principal activities to complete. The first one is Renekill uh, shareholders have to approve the deal. We're very, very confident that will happen. We've been talking to our shareholders, obviously, a lot about it, and they, they understand it and like it. The Terminex shareholders have to approve the deal, and uh, the Terminex team have been talking to their shareholders. They, they're very confident that will be approved because the Terminex shareholders like it. And then the final thing is a bit of a technical issue, but uh, we have to get SEC approval, so Securities Exchange Commission approval, because we want to register um, our shares and get them listed on the New York Stock Exchange for this combined entities. So it's more of a, com uh, if you will, a technical issue. What does that do to the London shares? Do they still operate uh, that way or how would that work? Yeah, the current plan is um, we'll keep the London shares and keep them trading on the London Stock Exchange, uh, but we'll trade as ADSs on the New York Stock Exchange, which that, that just makes the flexibility for our U.S. Uh, investment community so much easier rather than having to trade on London Stock Exchange and kind of work backwards. So, so so overall, you know, the, the idea here is is that okay, we're gonna we're gonna take Renekill, who has been very active in the MA market, who have I mean you guys have very much scaled the, the brand. I didn't realize that you, you guys had so many different business units uh, rolling up. I knew about Steratech and I knew about Target. Uh, I just didn't know about about the other brands. But so so the strategy here is is okay, we're gonna we're going to combine the entities, take the best of what we have at Renekill as far as leadership, as well as, you know, all the value that sits with Terminex and the combined entity, obviously, is the scaled business. You know, at the top of the organization, I mean, that's the idea behind the transaction. What do you see 
as some of the biggest challenges that you guys will face as you kind of go through this transition? Yeah, I think great question. Um, First off, uh, it's our view that Terminex under Brett's leadership, uh, Brett Ponton, is greatly improved. And um, I found the team in, and of course, you know, my number of meetings are kind of limited for uh, lots of reasons until we close, you know, we got to be careful. Um, But I found them to be very progressive and open to new ideas. And I think that starts with Brett and he's put a really good team around him. Um, And I think without this transaction, they would be back where they needed to be, the good old Terminex in X number of years. Um, And I'm not sure what X was, but it's not a zillion, okay? They're on the right track. Uh, With this transaction, I believe that we can accelerate the execution of the improvement plans. simply because half the things they're thinking about doing we've already done and we think it's probably fit for purpose and we can just say hey we've been through all the the rough edges and you know done these things and it's been really hard i think you can take them as is and then the other uh half um we can uh work together to find the best solutions and when i've talked to them um and, and not surprising i guess but we're all trying to say, solve the same sort of problems in this industry. How do I recruit better? How do I retain better? How do I train so that people don't take X number of days, maybe get half as amount of time and they're competent? You know, what technology should I, you know, land on and all those types of things. And, um, and under Brett's leadership, they've really been working hard on those. And I suspect, they're going to bring a lot of things to the table that are going to solve the problems we haven't quite solved. And as I said, because we've been a team together with a steady pace of, uh, of um, strategy, we might have, you know, quote unquote, solved 50 percent of them already. So that would be the top. What about at the branch level? Um, I, I guess there's different cultures. There's different focuses. There's, you know. How do you see that happening? What uh, what do you think the biggest challenges would be there? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, uh, I've gotten a chance to go out to a couple of branches and, you know, let's be honest, they're not going to take me to the worst branches, right? Um, uh, at least I wouldn't. And and, and, and they're smart folks. So um, I'm sure they took me to their, their best branches, right? Um, but... Um, The leadership team at Memphis has done a pretty good job, the ones that stayed through all this, of insulating the field from some of the stuff that didn't make sense. And so what I've seen out there that their field operations are are very strong. And uh, look, like us, I'm sure they have some, you know, branches that are underperforming and they have, you know, leadership problems and the like. But I've been really impressed with the way that they think of uh, two key areas. The first one is the importance of the frontline colleague. Um, it, it doesn't take long for you to be in this business to understand it's not about what vehicles you drive, because clearly anybody can get Tacomas or Colorados or or whatever. It can't be about the products we apply because, you know, the, the, the suppliers sell to everybody. It can't be about 
quote unquote, the B and G sprayer or the bait station and that kind of thing, because those things are um, readily available. It's about who's got the best technicians out there. And um, my conversations with the frontline leadership and operations are they get that. And they're really trying to solve for that problem, whether it's, as I said earlier, technician uh, uh, recruitment, technician uh, retention, uh, and technician uh, training. Um, and so when, because they understand that, really feels like there is a culture fit with the, the way Renekill thinks about those same things. So actually I'm really optimistic at the field level about the fact that we have a culture fit. So next question, and uh, I know we're just kind of shot, shotgunning these at you, but through, you know, I had a couple years ago, SunTrust bought a large bank here in North Carolina called BB&T, and, and it was a strong brand. Both brands were very, very strong. SunTrust was a strong brand. BB&T was a strong brand. I'm just curious, have you guys thought about what the brand's going to look like after this, like post post transaction? You know, obviously Terminex has a very long and strong uh, standing brand. Will it be an emerging of the brands? Because in the case of, of the banks, right, they, they ended up changing names completely, and now the bank's called and, and so they, you know, they completely kind of ditched both brands and went to this new brand. But I'm just curious, you guys giving you thought about merging the brands or we can operate as separate businesses? I'm just curious what you guys are thoughts are there. Well, uh, first of all, I mean, the Terminex is one of the best known residential brands in the U.S. And I've seen various stats, but if you, if you went to someone on the street unaided and say, could you name a pest control company, you know, it would either come up as number one or two, right? So right. uh, yep. it's our strategy to keep that brand and leverage its strength in uh, to grow faster. Um, so that's the easy part of the question, right? Um, the second part is Renekill, uh, as quirky as a name that is, is a global brand. Uh, if you did that unaided uh, awareness test on the streets of London or Johannesburg or Sydney, and I could probably keep going and said, can you name a pest control company? They would say Renekill because we're very, very well known outside of the U.S. Uh, for commercial. So I think that has a, a future in the mix. And then the, the, the overlaying uh, piece of, that we have to figure out is we have a lot of strong brands in our uh, portfolio, which have 80 plus years in the marketplace. Um, I mean, for example, Western just had a hundredth year anniversary this year. Um, by the way, the West Coast Western. Um, and um, we call it the best Western for what it's worth. Um, <laughs> and um, It's not a hotel chain, it's a- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ehrlich uh, and Prestowitz yeah. all are over 80. So. Our branding decisions will be a focus on how do we grow the combined entity faster? And we have some of our own opinions of how that will work. We're going to absolutely uh, get some advice from the Terminex team, who I think uh, understand branding very, very well. And then we're getting some outside help uh, with some brand experts because it's not something to get wrong. Um, I think you could uh, destroy value by being too quick, 
Um, and I think you can create value by doing it well. So I know that's not the exact concrete answer, um, but it's early days and it obviously won't be the first thing we'll change on day one because getting that right or wrong really makes a big difference. So let's get to some of the meteor questions. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> so I think, as you know, franchising is a much different business um, than operating corporate-owned branches, and Terminex has a whole bunch of um, franchises. So what does that look like for them? Uh, will you be able to buy them out? H how is that going to work? Well, first, and uh, I guess first of all, um, the current Terminex franchisees will remain franchisees in the new entity post-close. comes with the acquisition. Um, and that's a really good thing because um, prior to the acquisition, I've met some of them and um, they're really well-run bus businesses with good operators. And I think uh, they make us stronger. Uh, and I'm excited about um, how this all might fit together with what we're trying to do in the U.S. Uh, and in Canada. Um, so that's, it, it's, I think it's an added benefit that we're getting with the business and uh, excited that it's going to be part of it. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So obviously you guys have been uh, a very, I would say, a, a big player in the M&A uh, world, especially in pest control. You know, with all the work that you guys need to do, I, I mean, obviously, I've done acquisitions before, nowhere near the size and scale, not even close to this. And like, my brain hurts when I even think about what this looks like. But, um, but they're never easy, right? And they, and they require a lot of time. Any any thought of is this going to change your M and A activity? Are you guys going to say, okay, we're going to we're going to batten down the hatches and get this integration done? Is it you're going to still going to be out there looking for quality companies? Just any thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, uh, a really great question. Um, uh, once again, um, and this may sound odd, but I think it's going to be business as usual. Um, we've always focused on buying the best companies out there um, rather than every company that comes to market. Um, and this starts with a focus on whether the company is a culture fit. And I'd love to say that, um, you know, we could control the, the, the timing of sellers coming to the market uh, and then, you know, just digest what we have here and, and then, you know, and everybody waits for us to be ready, but that's right. not how it works, of course. Um, by the way, I know that word culture can sound really fluffy, um, but it really refers to whether they want to work uh, and the four things we talk about a lot, working safely, working with a sense of urgency, focusing on competency of uh, the service that we provide. So the people that are there are competent, sounds basic, but really important and being easy to work with. So, um, and in our mind, uh, this starts with how they run the branch and whether they recognize the importance of the frontline colleagues. And um, so um, I guess back to your question, we're going to actively pursue those companies that are culture fits. And as I said, while I prefer that the whole acquisition world would just go on pause, um, um, 
we know that won't happen. Um, so uh, we'll be selective at the table, but you can you can be assured we'll be at the table for the best companies out there. So as far as, you know, it's no secret that valuations have reached very high levels as of late. And so understanding that you may be restricted in what you can tell us right now, do you have an opinion as to what effect this transaction may have on valuations going forward? Yeah, you know, um, Dan, I can only imagine the number of times you've asked, I've been asked whether we're at the peak now on pricing and evaluations and um, you know, I don't know how you were answering that question because we probably would have said, I think we're really close only to be surprised a little bit later, right? Um, so tough one for me to answer. Uh, certainly I agree that valuations have been high for many years. So it's logical to think they're gonna peak at some point. Uh, you know, the reality is I don't know when. And you could argue, by the way, highest higher interest rates should mean that buyers will either need to reduce their prices they pay if they want to maintain their return on investment uh, target, uh, or they're going to have to reduce those targets because the you know cost of capital piece that goes into the models um, uh, plays an influence. Um, and talking about influences, a bunch of outside influences that we probably didn't have on our radar, um, you know, certainly four months ago, uh, Ukraine, higher price, fuel prices, uh, continuation um, of uh, inflation and like. So if your question is, uh, can I call the peak? I can't. Um, what I can tell you is because we're, um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, right. Um, it, it, if what I can tell you is, I guess we're going to remain a buyer for the best companies. And we'll, I hope we'll be the buyer of choice uh, with these sellers as we have a reputation as a, you know, a good buyer and a good integrator. And um, that means I don't see them dropping, you know, quickly by any means because we'll still be in the market. So, so no crystal ball. Uh, any anything that you want to say as far as the next five or ten years? <laughs> so, I, you know, I, and I agree with you. I don't, you know, everyone says, oh, two, two was the max. Never going to be more than two. And then it was, well, three, yeah. three is the max. Never going to be more than three. And so, yeah, I'm assuming that your your that that question kind of answered both questions there, which was, you, I, no, no, yeah. no, that's all bets are off for the next five or ten. I years. would like to be able to tell you I knew what's going to happen five months from now. Um, so five to ten years out mm. <laughs> well it, it's funny because we just keep getting that question over and over well should i wait should i wait you know and who knows and you know people have you know they were calling the top 10 years ago you know and uh you know uh it's uh you know it's like quitting smoking but, I, did it but I mean john's high. point <laughs> yeah i was gonna say you know john's point as far as the interest rates that's a that's a very valid point, right? The cost yeah. of money goes up. That's a problem. Yeah, it, it yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, so, you know, I deal in, 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 in brokering companies and whatnot. And we get a lot of people who say, you know, uh, you know, listen, I want to sell in three to five years. What steps can I do to, to, to make the company more valuable or more desirable? So do you have any, uh, 
you know, magic words there? I actually, I think I can help with that question. <laughs> so I'm excited <laughs> you asked that one. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I, five things always come to mind, and, and, and by the way, in no particular order. First, um, increase the percent of revenue that comes from reoccurring sources. So if you're at 70 or above, that's kind of a good place to be. Uh, we look at a lot of companies, and when we see 70 and above, we feel good about that. Um, 70%, second, 70%, 70% of total revenue. Tonight. Right. Yep. Yep. We're okay that it's not 100. By the way, I th we think there's lots of job work out there, um, what we call job work or one-time work. So you have residential customers and um, they need mosquito work and it's not a, under contract. Hey, take that. That's that's a, an important part of being in the pest control industry is, you know, controlling the pests that, you know, our customers face. Um, the second part is we like to see general pest control represent maybe 50 plus percent of the revenue. Um, and while there are a lot of service offerings out there that are good, um, you know, when I see things like gutter cleaning or something like that, it's hard for us to uh, evaluate and value. Now, if gutter cleaning's 5% of revenue and, and someone's got it in their brain that that helps them with retention of residential customers because, you know, they can provide multi-services, I, you know, I can get my head around that. I think it's important. Um, what about termite work? Is that in your pest control bucket or is that something else? Yeah, I, I would call that separate. So, if, you know, if I could see general pest at 50, let's say, and then a large chunk on top of that is termite, I think that's really good. Um, I'm, I'm more of a fan of, um, you know, non-fumigation solutions. So subterranean, um, because fumigation is one-time work and you got to sell it, um, you know, over and over every year and hope that it's, you know, it's a strong dry wood season and, and the like. But termite is, yes, a wonderful component to that as well. Um, revenue growth, you know, let's, you know, looking for, you know, if the industry is going four and a half, love when I see, you know, five, six percent means you're outperforming the industry, doing something a little bit better than, than the general industry. That's really helpful. Um, and then EBITDA profit, you know, Dan, you look at a lot of companies, but you know, when I see 15% or higher on the DA, uh, I'm thinking, okay, pretty well run company. Um, now, sometimes there's good reasons why it isn't. You know, maybe they've invested in a lot of sales, resources which don't have a year one payback and and year two three and four that's going to look great you know as the revenue starts to catch up and we're smart enough to adjust out and figure out what's going on there but when i see you know companies growing five or six percent making 15 percent da or above that's a pretty well con uh, uh, run company and then finally i don't know how to quite define this dan you you would know this probably better than i but uh, clean financials, you know, um, and, you know, that's what you do. I, I know, you know, people hire you and you make sure that their numbers are clean and understandable and, you know, good, good accounting rules. Because once we get in there, and we start looking at things. If we 
first of all, if we know it's your account, Dan, you know, we know, all right, we know what we're dealing with, um, the quality of earnings and the like. Um, so those are the five that come to mind. Um, I'm sure there's more, but if you had those five, you're in really good shape. Well, I appreciate the kudos uh, on the- uh, Well, well-deserved. Yeah, thanks. Uh, how, how about culture? Uh, I know that you know in dealing with Alex and, and a lot of your crew, they they talk about the culture. Is that uh, you know? It, that it is. Um, you know, the question, the way I read your question that you just gave to me was what they should work on. Um, so I don't think Hard you can change the culture. culture. Yeah, it's. I don't think you can really modify the culture a lot as a owner. Um, it's interesting, um, talking about culture, Dan, um, I never get to meet a technician before we buy the company. And I don't get to meet a local uh, supervisor. I don't get, you know, there's lots of people I don't get to meet. And so the only person I get to meet is the owner, typically. And, uh, I think companies are a reflection of the owner. So the culture, when you're talking to that owner, if they talk about what they do for their frontline colleagues with benefits or pay or recruitment or making it a fun place to work, guess what? I know the pay is probably okay and the benefits are probably okay and it's more of a fun place to work. Um, and um, without meeting a single technician, without meeting one a single frontline colleague. Now, I'm smart enough to ask some really good questions. If everybody says, you know, oh yeah, the frontline technician's the most important job in the company. And I say, well, what do you pay them? And they say $10 an hour. I'm thinking, how are you doing that? I mean, I, I you know, I know what we're seeing for $16 an hour. So, you know, you can you can talk about the culture you have, but I think there's enough questions you can ask about whether it's really validated. Um, but you're absolutely right to bring that up that after we get through those first five, then we're talking about culture. And, and when we have uh, seller meetings, we rarely talk about the numbers. We're talking about how do you run the business? How do you think about things? How do you pay people, you know? When a customer says this, what is your view on how you should deal with it and the like? Yeah, good, good question. Um, it's uh, when, John, this has been fantastic. I have very much enjoyed hearing your opinions and your insights and, and really just talking through and, and excited about kind of the future for Renekill and, and this Terminex uh, acquisition and what it will be for you guys, this business. Um, just kind of as a final question, and this is kind of a fun one. Obviously, you know, your career at Rinnekillum has been nothing short of remarkable in terms of growth. And, and obviously, this, this still is, a, and when we talked about this earlier, it's just a huge, um, it's a huge thing, for I think, for you and for, for Rinnekill and, and really for Terminex. What's next for you? Is, you know, is, what, have, you, have you looked that far and are you looking that far? And if so, just, just kind of some final thoughts on that and we'll, we'll wrap up after that. Sure. Thanks for that. Um, look, I would love to tell you that my career reflects some sort of well-orchestrated plan. Um, not the case. Um, uh, you know, uh, sort of a, my basics 
are, you know, I've, I've always tried to be in learning mode. So if you hang out with me, you'll know that I ask questions, uh, not because I know the answer. It's not to catch people out. It's to understand either the answer to something they know better than I, or to understand how they think about things. And then, um, um, I try to surround myself with really smart people in their area of expertise. Um, as the business has gotten bigger, I've been able to do that more. Small companies, you know, can't always afford the best and the brightest because they're small companies. And, uh, you know, there was a point where I felt like I had to be the smartest man in the room on all subjects. That's not great. Okay. Uh, place to be. So, um, I've, gotten really good at finding some really good talent. I will tell you that I work longer hours than normal people. Uh, my wife, every once in a while, asks me uh, whether the other boys have gone home uh, uh, to see their family and why is it taking me so long to solve this work problem. Um, but if everybody's working 40 hours a week and I work 48, I think I, I'll be slightly better. Um, and then um, I've been super opportunistic when uh, new things become available. I'm sort of up for it. Um, and sometimes I'll say yes to things and I'll say, yeah, we're not going to do that everywhere, but let's go try that in, you know, Omaha. And if it's, it doesn't quite work, we don't blow the company up and Omaha won't get blown up either. We'll, so, but being opportunistic when it comes to ideas and your career, I think really can serve you well. So um, I, I think just more of the same, um, you know, for managing my future career, um, those, those things have served me really well. And, you know, someday probably someone's going to uh, tap me on the shoulder and say, um, you know, time for you to go. We got someone better. And, you know, that when that day comes, I'll, you know, I'll step aside and do something else. Oh, it's a lot of fun. It's still a lot of fun for you. Yeah, it is. It really is. And, um, yeah. um, look, like everybody else, we have our hard days, you know, well, um, no, no doubt. It, uh, people businesses are hard businesses to run. Um, and, um, but, those that figure it out win and those that, you know, are struggling with that won't. And so that's, I guess, the, the fun part of it. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Donnie, do you have any well, other, John, uh, this, this has been questions? fantastic. Thank you so much for, yeah, you know, pleasure. I, I, um, you know, I think this has been, yeah, this has been fantastic to have you on and, and just want to thank you and, and just, you know, wish you luck and, and you know maybe maybe a year later we'll try to have you back on and say hey how's it going how's the integration going could you imagine the question of uh yeah. so you're one year in what did you what's different than what you thought you were you know dealing with well just a reminder everyone that all of the resources and topics that we talk about as well as some show notes are up on pmpindustryinsider.com and as always, I say this at the end of every episode, but I'm going to say it again. Dan and I are highly compensated for the podcast, which means we don't make anything at all. But we do consider reviews and ratings and those types of things as kind of putting some tips in the tip jar. And with that, I'm signing off. Everyone have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. Guys, all my best.